Welcome to the Successful Side Hustle. My name is Brandy and you're listening to episode seven. In today's podcast, I want to talk about the qualities of an amazing yoga teacher. And I want to talk about these qualities as they will serve to brand you as an amazing yoga teacher. And they will also serve you if you are scaling your business, maybe from teaching in a studio to delivering workshops and or um, expanding your profit channels. If you are looking to open a yoga studio and you're trying to figure out how to create a name for yourself, or if you already have a yoga studio and you're trying to scale your business to six or seven figures and you're trying to grow not just your studio brand, but you're trying to also manage a team of teachers along with that brand. All of these things that I'm going to talk about really apply to everything that I just said. The qualities of an amazing yoga teacher could also be qualities of an amazing yoga studio. We can probably think of a hundred qualities that would make an, an amazing yoga teacher, but hopefully I distilled these down into four categories that I think really covers most of what it takes to become an incredible and a profound and a transformational yoga teacher. So we know that all great yoga teachers, we need to start with a solid foundation of understanding the fundamentals of teaching, not just of teaching, but also of communication with our students and with our knowledge of what it is that we're delivering. Okay, so it's one thing to be able to do poses, but it's another thing to be able to get somebody else to do that pose. So we do a lot of exercises in our yoga teacher training that really shows the distinction between our ability to do something and our ability to teach somebody else how to do that same something. So there's a really big, um, a big gap there that, that we learn in a yoga teacher training. One of the things that I like to teach young instructors is to deliver compelling cues in a very simple way so your students aren't confused and they can apply your words into their body. Now I'm going to dive off into woo-woo land for a moment. When we come into yoga, one of the things that we are doing is we are working with a person's entire life experience as it, as it has landed in their physical body. So our whole life is stored in the physical body and it's stored in the physical body in different ways for each single person, for each um, individual person. And it's stored via the nervous system and depending on our experience in our nervous system is how our body interpret interprets in that moment. So those points of the nervous system, there are five points, and those points are the sensation. That is just your physical body sensing something. As you're listening to this podcast right now, your body is sensing something. If you're standing upright or if you're driving or if you're sitting, your body knows what to do because it has a sensory um, a sensory information board that's happening in the background that, that you've learned from the time you were a baby. The second part of that nervous system experience is perception. And perception is what we pay attention to. So depending on what your students have paid attention to in their life is what they're going to carry into the yoga room and every person's going to be different. And you also have carried a perception, uh, 
like data bank, I guess, of your own experience. And you're also carrying that with you through your teaching. What's really cool about perception is that perception is largely subjective, meaning you can choose to put your attention on some, something else completely. So your perception of an experience can actually shift. And this is part of teaching yoga. We start to change our students' perception or shift their attention into the areas of the body that we want them to go. Whether we're working with subtle body or whether we're working with physical alignment, we can do these really great things just by talking about perception or I don't necessarily always use that word, but talking about where to place the attention. Now, the third part of the nervous system, and if you're already a yoga teacher, this will land with you right now, is emotion. Now, emotion is also subjective, but what's, what's really interesting about emotion is that a lot of people don't want it to be subjective because it's emotional, <laughs> because it's, it's our feelings and it's, um, it's that softer side of us that creates the human element. Emotions happen chemically in our body, but it's so individual for each person, we can't necessarily measure it, right? So when an emotion happens, there is a chemical reaction in your body. And these chemical reactions, they, they land in different parts of your body. So different emotions for each person individually will actually land in different areas in their body. That's why each person is so very different. But the fourth piece of the nervous system in the student experience is the thoughts that we have. Now, the thoughts that we have that have created our experience in our bodies, they are made up of a couple of things. The analysis, the process, and the implementation of all of those those parts of our nervous system that have come before. So it's us analyzing, assessing, and choosing what to do with that information, right? And also memory and also wisdom as it may be different from our analysis, okay? So this is what's cool about the thoughts. And we also talk about this a lot in yoga is that you can choose to think something else, now, analysis, process, implementation can become habitual, right? So it can become habitual. And this is where we get into those looping thoughts or the, the just the reactive thoughts. And it doesn't have to be bad reactive. It could just be, this is our habit. This is what we do every day. When we choose to change something, we interrupt that process and we choose a different thought or we choose a different outcome. We choose to create a different outcome. And memory also plays a role in these thoughts as well, because when you're dealing with students in the yoga room, memory can oftentimes create a triggering response, right? Whether it's good, bad, indifferent, it's memory is um, we apply or we identify and we recall a good portion of our physical experience through memory, right? And then finally, the fifth piece of the nervous system 
response that our students carry with them into class is the action. It's how you have manifested all of those inner body, inner mind things that I just spoke of in action. It's, it's our existence. It's the record of our existence in this world. And it's the record of our consciousness in this world. Now that sounds a little out there, but it is so true. We move, we speak, we celebrate, we love, we interact based on those other four pieces of our nervous system. And in that includes our family experience, the schools that we went to, our social upbringing, um, our relationships with money, all of those different things, those dictate our actions. So how we move, how we spend money, how we show our love to somebody, this is all kind of the same, but it's so different for each and every person. Okay, I needed to set all of that up to talk about these qualities of an amazing yoga teacher. So because our students are carrying with them a completely customized, unique, beautiful, perfect experience in their own body, they come into the yoga room, everybody is going to experience your teaching differently, your flow differently. And so what you want to do as a yoga teacher, number one is, of course, you want to hold space for your students. But number two, you want to learn how to communicate simply but compelling to each student in the room. And a lot of times that means what we need to do is kind of dial it back. We don't want to speak too fast and we don't want to assume anything in the, in the yoga room. In fact, this leads me to my first characteristic of an amazing yoga teacher. And that is we want to teach to the students who are right in front of us. This morning, I had four people in my early morning class. We're in the middle of summer. The studio's dead. I had four people. I knew kind of what I wanted to do in that class, but I taught to the, per to the people who are right in front of me. I had two fairly new people, but they could move. They were, they were in shape and they were mobile, but they didn't have a lot of experience with yoga. And I had two very experienced people who could do all of the tricks. And one of those people had an achy upper back. So now I'm going to take everything that I'm doing and I am going to teach to the students who are in front of me. So I know right then and there that I'm going to watch. Number one, I'm going to see how they're moving with my eyeballs. And I'm going to walk around the room and I'm going to observe from a 360 degree uh, point of view for a little while. And then I'm going to begin to customize my cues to the students who are in front of me. A great teacher does this. This personalizes your classes and the students feel like you're speaking just to them. Now, if you've got a really big class, you can still do this. And I teach our younger students to do this by standing in each corner of the room throughout the class, just rotate between those four different vantage points so that you can put your eyes on different people in the room. But when you open your mouth to cue, you're looking at one person and you're looking at them and you're teaching to them. And your cue 99% out of, of the time to that singular person will resonate with most of your class. So, so don't worry about that if that was a thought that just popped into your head. Now the second characteristic is to see what's missing in your students and offer a solution. 
One of the reasons I wanted to set up the nervous system and the experience that our students carry with them is because what's missing in our students isn't always physical. Now, if you're a really alignment-based yoga teacher and you tend to stay on the more physical cueing side, and I do that often, I'm, I'm really um, talented with, with that way of teaching, then sometimes we can overlook the energetic components that are missing in our students. So it's up to us to hone that skill and to develop that skill within our teaching toolbox because there are days when, when your students, their alignment might be good or it might be lacking, but what's really missing is something inside, okay? One of those inner mind qualities of the nervous system. Maybe it's their attention, maybe it's their perception. Maybe it's their emotion, and maybe it's their rambling thoughts or their memories or their over-analysis. Maybe it's that. Maybe they're over-attached to an outcome and they're never going to get it because they're not really um, tapping into their sensations, but they're just thinking about that handstand that they want to do, right? So, so it's up to you to see what's missing that's beyond the body. A great yoga teacher will see what's missing and they'll start to cue to that. They'll offer a solution. Now, there are some times when you're in the room and I love this part, I love this student. We all know the student, if you have an experience with teaching, it's that student who works out, who comes in, and who stands in the front row and just goes balls to the wall crazy in the class. But you get to balance and they can't hold their balance. They're wobbly. I know right then and there, what's missing in them is not probably strength, and it's really probably not the skill of balance. It's the control of the inner mind. So I might start talking about that and start cueing toward that piece of, of what's missing in my student, and I might offer some solutions there. And then I'm gonna let my students sit with that and see if they can catch it. And they won't always catch it, but eventually if they come back, they will. The third quality of an amazing yoga teacher, now this speaks more to the actual physical practice itself, is to compassionately progress a student to move to their edge and to continue to challenge themselves, or to compassionately modify for a student and dial back the pose or the sequence so that they can also feel successful in your class. When you can compassionately progress a student or compassionately modify for a student, you have become that student's teacher. You want everybody in your class to feel successful, whether or not they achieved something or not, right? It doesn't matter if there was a physical achievement. What matters is their internal feelings of success. Were they able to calmly execute your class? Even if there was a struggle, were they able to calmly execute your class, make it through from beginning to end without feeling like something was lacking or something was missing. That's your job as a yoga teacher. Our students can understand that this practice is truly theirs, that they don't have to look like everyone else, that they can start exactly where they are and we all love them for it. We are all also doing the same thing. As the yoga teacher, when you can do this and you can create those feelings of success in your student, great things will happen.
Okay, finally, the final characteristic of an absolutely amazing yoga teacher is to get your students out of their head and into their body. Okay, so run back in your mind to this nervous system setup that I gave you. We started with sensation and we ended with action. And those both are external, right? Your sensation is non-negotiable. Your body is always sensing something, whether or not you notice it or not. That's how you're standing up and walking. Your action is largely habitual until you start to pay attention to it. So for a lot of people, their entire life, they've run through their nervous system responses, they've created experiences in their physical body, and they act from a purely reactive and habitual place. But in the yoga room, we're teaching them how to undo all of that and how to go back to the sensation and either notice the route through their nervous system response or reroute it. But my friends, this doesn't happen when you sit there and talk. This happens when you get a student moving. I don't I, I'm I know I need to cut out a lot of this silence that's about to happen because I don't want to offend at all. But one of I think the biggest things that I see with yoga teachers is they love the sound of their own voice and they will take you through the longest integration or the longest meditation or they'll over cue something to death and they never give the student the chance to experience for themselves what's actually happening in their body. You've got to get your students moving in order for this to happen. What you have to do is you have to get really good at doing all of the talking simply, succinctly, and in a very compelling way so that you're using less words, but you're delivering more impact. Honestly, I teach my new yoga teachers, you've got five minutes to get them moving. Don't go longer than five minutes. Three minutes is optimal. Because when a student comes in from a heavy work day, the last thing that they want to do, so a student, an amazing yoga teacher will get the students out of their head and into their body, and then they'll infuse that wisdom along the way. All right, y'all, if you enjoyed this content today, please head over to my latest project, soulshineu.com. I'm launching my latest two-part yoga teacher training, um, launching August 1st, early enrollment begins July 1st for the Empowered Yoga Teacher, and that is over at soulshineu.com. And later this fall, I'll be launching my latest course that I'm really excited about, Business by Design. I've got everything in there from swipe files to all the resources you need to open your own yoga studio to my very best business plan blueprint. Um, So if you are interested in something like that, go ahead and dive over there to soulshineu.com. Get on the mailing list. Again, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode today and I look forward to chatting with you next week.